Hi, I'm Alex L., and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Hey girl. Hey girl. Marielle, it's so good to talk to you. I'm really excited. How are you today? I'm doing well. My soul's at peace and feeling good. How are you? I'm doing good too. It's a good day today. But before we dive into our conversation, because I definitely want to talk about saying that we feel good during this like really hectic time that just came up out of the blue. Like, should I be saying that I feel good? So I definitely want to talk about that. But before we get started, please let the Hey Girl listeners know who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a counseling psychologist, a therapist, and what I do is work on the soul of many people as well as my own, of course, I think all therapists do, to help us all to find collective healing and wellness in the days that are a little bit rough and in the days that are okay, just finding good balance in our lives. I really love your approach to therapy and holistic wellness. I guess that's what I would call it. Um, Mm -hmm. And how you do talk from the soul and that how you do encourage others, especially on your social media platform, and I'm sure even offline with your clients to really connect with their soul work and their heart's work. Can you talk a little bit about one, the importance of that and two, how beneficial it can be, especially during such a tender, hard, scary, chaotic time that we're in right now. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I really took to soul-based work and really holistic approaches to the work of therapy um, because I understood from the years of work, you know, that I've embarked upon interactions with individuals that I consider colleague friends and also the wonderful people that I've been honored to be able to work with that at the heart of the work that we do in healing work is the soul. Mm. You know, we think about therapists really operating from the perspective of working with the mind. And while that is very true, and that is a a huge marker of our training, it is important that we consider the full person. And I do believe that the person, many respects, is someone who carries within them a spiritual self that needs nurturance and that then shines out into all other other dimensions of the self. And so that's why, you know, I think it's so pertinent to be able to focus on that piece. And especially right now, right now we're in a place where I think we're being shaken up as a society. Our collective wellness is as well as our individual wellness are, you know, really being tested and tried. And it's a moment in time in which we have to seek into the depths of our soul and be able to really extract what we need, especially because I I really firmly believe that it is more so within reach than what we can say it has been, maybe in times when we were perhaps less connected to the solitude that we're in right now. I can say that there are many people that I've had interactions with, with whom, you know, we're doing inner-based work, whether it's inner child work, inner soul work. And because 
once they leave my office, they're plummeted with a bunch of things that they need to do, an entire world that they need to interact with. They yeah. have so many other things that capture their attention. And as a result, you know, they come in the next week and they're like, yeah, about that soul work, about that inner work mm. that I was supposed to do. Didn't quite get to it. Why? Because life got in the way. And so right now is a moment in which we, we for the most part, especially those of us that, you know, are privileged enough to be able to do some of this work can actually reflect within. And especially because our vulnerabilities are at an all time high right now, given that, you know, we, we are, you know, being tested in so many ways that are so foreign to so many of us. Mm. I want to talk a little bit about what you mentioned about like, oh, so about that soul work I was supposed to do, about that thing I was supposed to tap into that you hear from your clients. Um, how do you assist or what would you say to folks who may need a little bit of redirection when it comes to making space for their soul work? I think that's why I resonate with you so much is because you put out these really beautiful, gentle reminders for folks on your social community to find different ways to kind of dive deeper into your healing practice in into your writing practice and also using therapy as a tool to uncover the depths of what our soul work is so how do you help your clients and maybe not even clients per se but how do you encourage folks that you interact with to not forget about their soul work even when we are bombarded with you know the world that we live in the relationships that we're in interacting with, et cetera, on like this day-to-day -day basis? Yeah. Well, you know, there are a couple things that I do, but there are two that stick, stick out the most. And one of which is more on the practical end, right? Um, and the reason why, you know, I call it more practical is because I think it's the timing aspect, right? People don't actually take out the time because life gets in the way. And mm -hmm. so what is it that we do in order to remind us of having to do something? We actually set reminders, right? So very often when I'm together with someone, I ask them to, set a reminder in order to ensure that they have a specific time in their day to be able to do that very thing that they need to do in order to nurture their soul. Mm -hmm. Whether it's journaling, if it's a prompt or homework, a worksheet, anything that I may have provided them, they have the time already scheduled into their day, into their week in order to actually fulfill the task. And then the other thing that has a little bit of a less practical kind of twist to it and it has more to do with just the idea around collective healing and ensuring that the healing work is done in community mm -hmm. is that I either help them with some imagery that actually helps them to understand and visualize me being with them as an accountability partner mm -hmm. or I actually either set the timer or the calendar invite on my own calendar to ensure that I myself am holding them accountable or or I'm asking them to loop me in in some way. I'm either receiving a call or keeping them in mind. And I'm reminding them the next time that I speak to them, I held you in mind during this time. How did it go? You know, so that there's a reminder that even though 
in your body you were alone during this time doing this work Mm -hmm. you weren't alone in the spirit in the soul realm right like I was with you I was keeping you in mind we were connected on some dimension and I was hoping the best for you in your healing journey and so those are the two that come up for me the most whenever I'm working with people that are feeling life is getting in the way or this feels too scary to approach and so perhaps I'm getting in my own way and using life and life's busyness probably you know it's kind of a way to rationalize my way out of doing this work that feels very heavy because that's a thing too oh my gosh I wish you were my therapist your approach is like resonates so deeply with the type of therapist I've been searching for (laughs) I love the accountability aspect too when I host my writing courses and my journaling courses I tell people set your stop drop and self-care alarm and when it goes (laughs) off it is time for you to do some of your soul work and I wish that was more you know accepted and I want to talk about this too being women of color and like how we are constantly I think women in general but specifically being black and brown women like how we are constantly encouraged to burn out in order to keep someone else's flame alive and it's almost like this mm, this radical act to be like I'm gonna light my candle first so I can see the way and then I can share my flame with whoever else you know may need some I'm thinking about birthday candles right now you know what I mean and how like we have to light the first one in order to share with other folks so I just love that accountability aspect I love that making time for yourself and that also like you're building this sense of community even when the body is alone the person is alone they're not alone in the spirit and I want to talk a little more about that with you what makes it important for folks to know that they are standing in community specifically black and brown women who are so used to having to stand alone, hold it together, walk alone, carry the torch, and still work, nurture children if they have them, you know, be a caretaker, show up in their jobs, show up in their friendships, etc. Well, I think, you know, a part of what it does is that it increases our consciousness around the ways that we've been socialized to believe that we have to do these things on our own, right? Mm -hmm. We've been socialized to ascribe to this strong women phenomenon. I mean, the strong black woman is one that is very prevalent in the black community. And there is a version of that that also finds itself into other communities of color. So for other women of color, there are variations of that. There are variations of the self-sacrificial woman in the service of everyone else within the community, right? And so that is a very lonely space to stand in. And so what this is doing is that it's helping us all to increase our consciousness around the fact that we actually matter and Mm. not only do we matter because we genuinely matter but we matter because it has been the case and I think it will remain to be the case that we will be the center of our communities Mm. so if we are the center if we're the hub if we're upholding the community then we need to be well Mm. and for as far back as we can remember, we have always done well in community. 
we are communal people. And so we have to use community as a healing tool. We have to use the resources that have been able to get us through the very turbulent times of our history uh, in order to actually get through this very turbulent time that we're existing in right now. Because it's not just a pandemic. Mm-hmm. A lot of the other things that are happening within the pandemic, we are living in a moment in history in which our communities are yet again being impacted and assailed by something that is biological, but also the systemic implications of it all at the same time, because we're seeing that black and brown bodies are the ones that are being impacted the most by COVID-19. They're being impacted more adversely, and we have highest number of mortality rates. And so Mm -hmm. knowing all of that also has to bring about, you know, some sort of a collective thought, a surfacing of collective thought around how empowerment and healing has to find itself into a collective space. And so that's why everything I do is with the collective in mind. And I really do profoundly care about my people. So for me, it's about healing generations before and generations to come, including our very own. That is so, that collective healing really is ringing true for me, especially now, because it's so easy to forget that we are a part of a community, that we have folks that we can lean on, strangers too. I mean, we look at social media, right? And it's like, that is a sense of community. It's it's an extension of community where folks are coming together, supporting one another offline, but being in community online, I know that it's really special for folks to feel like they have a place that they belong. I was speaking to a professor at Notre Dame a couple of weeks ago, and he was mentioning um, how it, how it's so important that humans understand that we really weren't meant to do this life alone, mm-hmm. number one, and number two, how we need one another to co-author our life and our belonging in the world. And as you were talking about how Black and Brown folks are way more likely to succumb to this disease and others, and how we truly do need, if we, we want to be the center, right, especially as the black women and brown women if we want to be the center we have to be well and that that oh my god that just really blew me away because community we need one another to be well in order for us to lean on each other in the ways in which that we want to that wellness aspect like we have to be well is so 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 important that's radical like truly I love that you use that word. It really is. And what's so interesting about it being radical is that isn't it something that it actually has to be radical that we care for ourselves mm-hmm. as women of color? I, I mean, I think that there's, um, you know, so much that's implicated in that politically, historically, mm-hmm. and yet it is so incredibly necessary uh, that we take that radical step into making sure we care for ourselves. There's the whole, you know, burgeoning trend of rest as resistance. Mm-hmm. 
women of color resting, you know, as a way to engage in political warfare. But that also means a lot of other things, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, our bodies are political, our minds are political. Like, there's so much that, you know, we need to take care of because there's so many, you know, systemic implications upon our minds, our bodies, our spirits, our souls. And so, you know, when we take care of ourselves, we make a statement and we make a statement about the fact that we do indeed matter and we, we matter to each other. And I think that there is this duality that happens too in all of that, where if my sister is in pain, I mean, and if my sister is well, there's something happening in my soul where there's such just light that's beaming out of it. And so, you know, it, it's how we're interconnected that, you know, really fosters this like collective, it's, it's beyond even wellness, it's like collective existence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Collective existence. That's so powerful. To shift gears a little bit, I want to talk, of course, about self-care. But before I do that, I would love to know a little more about you and how you came to therapy, where this love of healing stems from, and also where your longing for helping others find their way and helping others mend and heal um, came from. Yeah, so I think it didn't really uh, make a lot of sense, if you may. <laughs> so like my 30s, you know, like I didn't really realize what it was that brought me into this work. I kind of just went with the flow. Mm-hmm. And um, when I started reflecting and doing some of the depth work myself, I started realizing that there was a moment in time when I was about six, where we're Black Dominicans. My mom is a Black Dominican, and she came into the U.S. when I was five. And I remember standing in the line uh, for the National Visa Center, which is where you know we get our immigration paperwork processed and all of that. And um, you basically, like, even in the middle of the winter, which is when we came, you'll stand outside for hours upon hours starting at like 3 a.m. for an 8 o'clock opening of the mm. doors. Um, mm. So you're there in the freezing cold. And I remember, you know, not only on that day, but also many days after, many decades after, that my mom would always take on this role of being like this community healer without even knowing it. I think she doesn't even yet identify as such. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a way that she just speaks and heals and and her touch there's just this thing about my mom and my mom she's you know um she was a hairdresser 40 years that was you know her profession if you may but she Mm -hmm. was really a healer and she just had a way of really comforting people all around her even though you know she herself was going through the very same things that the people around her were going through and that's a bit of that strong black woman you know Mm -hmm. persona that she was embodying however you know there was something about how she healed that I think really passed its way onto me generationally without me realizing it. And um, I just remember in, in those times how I remember telling my, you know, I'm going to do something for our people. I'm, I'm going to make this stop. And I was talking about the pain that I was seeing, the emotional pain. However, I didn't really know that it would manifest into this therapy thing because it wasn't you know anything that we ever discussed within our community at all our family Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. However, I eventually found my way into even my own therapy because I had a colleague suggest it. And I was like, oh, well, you know, let me try this. I remember the therapist saying, you know, you should be a therapist. And I was oh, wow. Yeah, he was like, this is something that I think you should really explore. You're a natural at it. And I think it was just my, my mom's energy in me, you know, mm-hmm. quote unquote natural <laughs> um, <laughs> that he was talking about. So I took that plunge. I, I left, you you know, a career in advertising where I felt like I was financially grounded to embark on an eight-year journey to become a psychologist. And I just, you know, I just took a leap of faith and I channeled my mother's energy into the work that I've been doing. So I feel like I'm going back to my roots, you know, my mm. mother, my grandmother, the way that they love, the way that they heal. Mm. I feel like all of that is just, it's found its way in me. And so I feel like that's kind of where I am now. What makes you feel fulfilled in your work these days? I gotta say there is a lot. I really do love this work deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so grateful that I've been able to say that in my lifetime. You know, um, every single time that I interact with every person that tells me that they're in pain, I feel so fulfilled. I work with, especially in my uh, full-time job, I work almost exclusively with Black and Brown folks in mm-hmm. Manhattan. Just knowing that I get to speak to people in a way in which they're honoring me with their narrative is the most humbling thing ever. I mean, I, for someone to literally tell you their life story and the intimate parts of their life, things that they've never told anyone else, is something that I don't take for granted and that I find to be just humbling. And I always, you know, my mom still talks to me about the work that I do. And sometimes she'll, you know, she'll tell me, remember that the work that you're doing is very important. Take care of yourself and remember, you know, to give it your all and take care of people that, you know, God puts in front of you. And so, you know, I always just feel like it's a privilege. It's, it's an honor. And that, that to me, means a lot but I also get to see people heal there's mm. no greater joy you really see it happen and sometimes it's in retrospect like you have to look months and years back and when you do that and you reflect it upon them you say hey did you realize where you are right now and when people like come to that point of insight it's so beautiful like the expression on their face the shift in posture the way mm. that their lives have changed it's I'm probably rambling because I have no words <laughs> I love it though. I love it all. I love everything you're saying. You're not rambling. At all. I mean, that just shows the passion. That just shows the joy. And wow like yeah. just I'm amazed I'm amazed by you and your work I it's just phenomenal what you're offering to folks and you being a woman of color in this work is like major major so I want to talk about that before I wrap up and, and we talk about our self-care and like being okay today and all of that what is it feeling like for you to be a black Dominican therapist yeah. and seeing mostly black and brown people as clients and what do people say when they find you because I know they're probably like oh my gosh where have you been I've been looking for you (laughs) 
Jennifer? It's such an honor. You know, there have been more instances than I can count. And I think this probably happens to many of us that hold these identities where we're, we are basically sought upon by people. People literally like either write, you know, on the side of the paper of their evaluation paper or wherever they can. I want a woman of color. I want a black woman. It's very specific. And there's, you know, it's indescribable. I just feel tremendous joy that I can serve my community. I wouldn't have it any other way. I have a long commute uh, sometimes to work and I don't care. Like I really don't think <laughs> about it at all because when I reach there and usually my very first client, she's waiting for me. She's always early, Monday mornings, you know, and to see her, you know, and walking with her, chatting, or, you know, just being ourselves, being super authentic, not, you know, having this like therapist fluff, like, you know, mm. like, you know, it's just so real, such a real interaction. And then we get in and we do that work and we're so intentional and just like being able to do that together. And especially now that I have a point of reflection of where, where all of this is coming from, I feel like I'm honoring my mom and I hear my mom's pride and I'm honoring my ancestors. And mm. I'm just so proud of that. And to me, it just means the world. And even on the days when I can, in my very human self be either emotionally or physically exhausted I still have the energy that I need you know to be able to do what I can for my community and to me it just means the world and I hope that I have many years in front of me to be able to do this work mm -hmm. for many moons to come because I I really feel like I found my purpose in my community in the people and that they have so graciously allowed me to be in this role with that is phenomenal. That is so phenomenal. I love how you say you're channeling your mom and like you are honoring her. And that is, that's such a beautiful thing to hear. Really, it just is lovely, especially as someone who, you know, has a complicated relationship with their family, you know, mm -hmm. to hear folks who have a different experience around family and around mothers and, you know, parents. It's, um, it just makes me smile. And that's really beautiful that's just so amazing i thought about you as a mom though mm. when i when i was thinking of that too you know because um i get only you know what i'm offered <laughs> through social media but i beam with joy whenever you know i see you mothering and and letting us into your world of motherhood and regardless of whatever we have behind us as a relationship with mothers what we have in front of us is something that you know can really mold an entire mm. generation in a world. And and I really, you know, I treasure any mother because I, I know that it can be so incredibly complex to give and to take care of yourself at the same time because my mother doesn't come without, you know, her own past and, you know, from a lot of poverty and there's just so much, you know, and so, yeah. and, and I think that I can only imagine what your kids move into the future generation, given that you, you're giving them so much love and you're opening up all of these channels for healing an entire generation of us and them, right? Mm. So, you know, I just don't want that to get lost in the mix because look at all the beauty that you're putting out into the world and into your very own children that I think, you know, will produce the people like me that just feel like they need to channel that mother's love mm. because it was just so foundational. So I thank you for that. I thank you for mothering in the way that you do. And 
Happy belated Mother's Day. (laughs) Thank you so much. I appreciate you saying that. I receive that. I receive it with open arms. And when you were talking about your mother, I was like, oh, I hope my girls feel that way about me when they, you know, get older. And it's interesting. I was was even recalling this moment when Charlie, my oldest daughter, she's 12, Mm -hmm. she wrote an essay about her family. And when it was time to describe mom, she said, my mom is a successful author and she reminds me to go after my dreams and if I work hard I can have the life that I want to have and that is so inspiring to me and you know I was a puddle on the floor I was like (laughs) oh my goodness because sometimes we don't know if the kids see it do they see us you know and they do see us of course but like reading her words as a middle schooler a fresh Mm -hmm. middle schooler this was last year when she started sixth grade and you know it's just I was just honored and like wow she sees me you know and and I love her and I will continue to just show up the best way I know how so that she continues to see what love looks like and not just you know with relationships but like with work and with talent and with dreams and hopefulness and like what love can feel like wrapped in our lives it intertwined in our lives and I was just blown away so thank you for that too Oh, you just warmed my heart. I literally teared up when you <laughs> oh, it, oh my goodness. I mean, I just, wow. You know, that kind of bond is, uh, it's just, it lasts a lifetime. It really does. It's nothing like it. It's really nothing like it. And, yeah. you know, I was a mom young. So, you know, to be almost 31 now and to look back on where I've come from mm-hmm. and the self-choosing that I had to make in order to be the best woman and mother to my now three daughters just this word keeps coming up it was just truly a radical and brave act to say hey it's time to like do some soul work it's time to change and to shift and it has paid off and it continues to teach me you know like and my children continue to teach me so it's just it's pretty amazing it's beautiful So to round off our conversation, I definitely want to know how you as a therapist take care as someone who gives, how do you replenish? And also, how do you make space for feeling good during a global pandemic when so much is not good? And the reason why I asked that question is really for, I would say, personal gain, because (laughs) I feel sometimes when I say I'm good, I feel like there's this guilt of being good right now, even when there are days that are like, genuinely good days you know but it's like do I of course I deserve good days but like is there space for me to like really celebrate the good right now with so much pain going on so I definitely want to touch on those two things before we wrap up thank you so much for asking and I you know I have to say I'm probably a little bit on the extreme of the self-care continuum (laughs) I'm like (laughs) an extremist when it comes to it and I had to be As a Black woman in this world, I have to take good care of myself. Looping back into how it is a radical act, thank our ancestress, Audre Lorde, for, you know, Mm -hmm. helping us to see that we must. This is, it's not optional, right? You know, and I know that we don't all 
have the luxury of doing so, but for those of us who really do have that luxury to add any kind of self-care to our day, you know, I really urge us to do so. So for me, I start my day two hours prior to when I was heading out of the door or mm -hmm. two hours prior to my first session of the day. Now, usually my partner, he still isn't up. So I get an opportunity to just be inner space. So the first thing that I do is that I rush over to my kitchen. I put on a batch of tea. I start playing first some meditative sounds and I go straight into meditation and I do that for a number of minutes and then once my tea is done then I start with the self-soothing with the tea because warmth means a lot to me. Being someone that comes from a Caribbean place I, I need warmth, I hate the cold so I, <laughs> anything that's warm really soothes me you know in a very deep way and then transition into journaling and lately I've been you know trying to model what I say and doing a lot of inner child journaling, mm. creating self prompts that can take me back to moments in my life. And then I also light my sage. And, uh, and so I, I create this entire ambiance around me where I'm doing all of those things. I then transition into doing some movement, do movement around Qigong because it, you know, helps me connect to the five elements of the earth and then you know I also start listening to which I probably should change my my, my uh, music repertoire but I always start with Nina Simone feeling good <laughs> but the vibe starts there you know and then if I want to transition with some energy beyond that I, I may you know, transition to a little Beyonce but I think it's a whole entire it's almost like a ritual mm. and that's the start of my day and then I end my day with rituals too you know like again with the tea I've been getting into moon milk lately which is really cool and pretty looking and mm -hmm. and tastes amazing and I have you know like my um, uh, Himalayan salt lamp that I light because it has a, a gentle you know light to it that can help me to segue into my sleeping state so it's a whole sleep hygiene ritual that brings me into the state of sleep consciousness and so I'm so 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 intentional and all day long I breathe deep breaths diaphragmatic breathing from the belly all day long so I am literally walking self-care and uh, <laughs> love and it. I, I take pride in it I love it I really do and then you know right now the guilt thing definitely hit me in like week five or six especially because I started hearing a lot more stories that were really ridden with trauma present trauma and just historical trauma coming up and I was like my goodness like wow I can't believe I'm so privileged I get to sit here and have a job be at home do what I love and here are people losing their jobs and losing their loved ones and how can I feel joy mm. and what helped me was to transition from the position of joy to the position of gratitude and you know embracing that as my joy i really i feel so great to know that the people that are dearest to my heart are currently well and that brings me a lot of peace they mean so much to me and, and the fact that i'm healthy you know all of those things help me to feel the gratitude that burgeons that joy i think when it comes from that place i feel less guilt mm. knowing that you know i'm simply grateful for what i've been given rather than you know exuberant with you know happiness over this life i'm hoping that that can be helpful and just the reframing you know
That is helpful and that's beautiful. And I hope that folks lean into that. And something I wanted to chat with you about as our last little tip, we're not even really going to chat. I really want you to read this, but feel free to tell me no. But I was on your Instagram and a list that you put together. I I love lists. I'm a lister myself, but Mm -hmm. the the 34 reasons to heal. Mm -hmm. And I would just love for us to like take a deep breath together and just have you read those 34 things so that our listeners can be in a place of meditation with us as we round off our conversation. Oh, wow. I'd be honored. Absolutely. Oh, yay. Wonderful. (sighs) Okay. And so we always have reasons to heal. However, here at 34 to get us started. So why heal? We heal to heal our ancestors, to heal our children, to lessen your physical pain, to decrease worry, to walk around with less baggage, to become better at relationships, to experience more life satisfaction, to lessen your lack of presence in your own life, to breathe easier, to give your soul, to get what you deserve in life, to feel what inner peace feels like, to break cycles, to honor your community, to reclaim your time, to ensure that your abuser does not rob you of your peace any longer, to extend your positive energy, to receive good vibes, to internalize affirmations, to extend your life, to manage stress better than before, to love more, to be more honest with yourself, to achieve those goals you've been holding on to, to increase your creativity, to heal others, to learn about your trauma, to see firsthand how healing works, see yourself smiling more, to improve your overall functioning, to reclaim your mind, body, and soul, to lessen the burden you carry, to hurt less, and to turn your sadness into joy. Thanks for listening to the show today. Please rate, subscribe, and review. Also, feel free to share with a friend. We love having our community grow. Music is by DC's own Kokai. The Hey Girl Podcast is produced by Wayne Bertram and me, Alex L. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.